0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Okay, here we go. John chapter 5. I really like this story right up at the front of this chapter. It says, after there, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now up to Jerusalem is really an elevation thing more than going north. It's really going south, but he says it went up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is at a high altitude, about 3000 feet above sea level. So it goes on to say, now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Let me just stop there. And you know, until the 1940s, no one knew where these pools were. They're the pools of Bethesda. No one knew where they were. In fact, there are some people who disputed the gospel of John saying it is not authentic. It is not authorized. It is not uh, part, should not be part of the canon. Because it's not inspired, because he talks about something by the sheep gate and of Jerusalem. Well, everybody knew where the sheep gate was, but where are the pools? Here's the sheep gate. You know, we're talking about in the excavations in the, you know, the 20th century. And so anyway, they disputed the gospel of John. Well, guess what? In the 1940s or so, they discovered through excavation the pools of Bethesda. Once again, corroborating the scriptures that they are indeed true. And so I like to, when I take tours to uh, Israel and particularly Jerusalem, I like to stop by the pools of Bethesda and read this story and minister this story to everybody. So, uh, but at the pools here of Bethesda, it says, it says pool, but really in the excavation, you could see there, there were pools. It said that they would have a whole lot, sort of like what we would see today, where maybe there were a lot of homeless people that are gathered in a certain place. Well, this was similar to that, but these were sick people. These were lame people. These were blind people. These were paralyzed people. And notice this, they were waiting for the moving of the water. Well, what does that mean, the moving of the water? Well, it explains for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool. An angel went into the pool. It doesn't say that everybody saw the angel. It doesn't say that everybody didn't see the angel. It just says, for an angel went down into the water and stirred up the water. Listen to this. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever whatever disease he had. Well, the first time that this happened, they may have thought, well, what happened to that guy? Like All of a sudden, he's better. But every time the water would be stirred and somebody would go into the water, maybe to see what's going on with the water, and they would be healed. And this happened again and again and again. Everybody realized at some point, and it became known everywhere that Hey, the first one in after the stirring of the water gets healed. Now, let me just stop there. We know God is a healing God all the way back from Exodus 15, 26. I am the Lord who heals you. We know that God is a healing God. We know that Jesus came to bring healing. But what is this about the stirring of the water at the pools of Bethesda? And the first person gets healed. What is this? This just once again shows you the love of the Lord. Let me just tell you what the word Bethesda means. This is Beth or bait, as it's often pronounced. Hesda, as many of you who have studied with me, the series that I did called The Blood Covenant or read the book that I wrote called God Swears, this blood covenant, this word hesed is a word that we, uh, an Old Testament word that we studied. It's often translated mercy. It's covenant love and such. It's a very precious word. It's covenant love and loyalty and mercy, okay? Kind of all wrapped up in one. This was at the pools of Bait or Beth, the house of Hesed, the house of covenant mercy and covenant love. So at this place of the house of covenant mercy and covenant love, God, even though these people are not, you know, praying or looking to the Lord or whatever, he just wants to have mercy on people. So periodically, God sends an angel, go stir the water up, let somebody else be healed. God, somebody said, well, why wouldn't he let them all be healed? God would prefer that they would look to him. But instead, whether they love God or not, whether they look to God or not, whether they give God the credit for it or not, he's just healing people periodically. And so it's just another sign that God has mercy on people, even people who don't have faith, even people who don't repent, even people who don't look to him or even want anything to do with him necessarily. So whoever stepped in first would be made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there, you know, along with the crowd of other sick people. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time. Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? Isn't that a great question? I mean, you'd think that's obvious. Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. In other words, Every time the water's stirred up, I do my best to get in there. But because I'm lame, I, I don't have the ability to get there. And nobody can carry me there before, before someone else gets there. I never make it. I never make it on time. Well, here's another act of God's kindness. The Lord sends Jesus to talk to this man specifically. Do you want to be made well? I don't have anybody to help me get into the water first after it's stirred up. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. I'm pretty convinced this also is one of the nine manifestations of the Spirit. And this would be called a gift of healing. See, the man doesn't have any faith, and I'm going to prove that to you in just a minute. The man's not operating in any faith whatsoever. This is just a gift of healing. Now, normally, by the way, this is an exception to how Jesus ministered. Jesus did not just walk up to random sick people and heal them. Mm -hmm. No, Jesus very clearly, in fact, in Matthew 4, 23, and also Matthew 9, 35, the Bible says very clearly, almost identical verses, but they read just a slight bit different from one another. But I'll, I'll quote it from the fourth chapter in the 23rd verse. It says, then Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people or all kinds of sickness and disease among the people. But notice teaching, preaching, healing, not healing and then teaching and preaching. No, because the way that Jesus ministered is the way that we're supposed to minister. We teach and preach the word of God and faith comes by hearing. And then people can come to receive healing when they have faith. That's the way Jesus did it. That's the way his apostles did it. That's the way we've been taught to do it. Go preach the gospel. And these signs will follow those who believe, see? And so now Jesus just walks up to this man without preaching to him. Do you want to be made well? I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately this man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered, by the way, it wasn't against the law for him to carry his bed. But you remember Jesus confronted the traditions, the traditions of the Jewish people, and they would elevate often those traditions above even the scripture itself. And so it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Watch this. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. This man didn't even know who Jesus was. So see, he couldn't have heard him preaching. He couldn't have been following his ministry and having faith by hearing the word. No, he didn't even know who Jesus was, even when he walked up and ministered to him. See, so this man did not get healed by his own faith. This was simply a gift of healing, like described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Now watch this. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Oh, that's telling right there. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Well, when he says sin no more, that tells us that the man had sinned well, somebody said, well, everybody sins. Yeah, but this is not just something that people sin and then they repent and such. This man evidently had been in sin, unrepentant sin. And there's a hint here. Some things are clear, but some things are hints. There's a hint here that this man opened himself up to this illness because of his own sin. And Jesus says, sin no more. Now watch this lest a worst thing come upon you. In other words, Jesus very clearly is saying that by sinning or by willfully continuing to live a life of sin, you open the door to bad things happening to you, including illnesses, paralysis, sickness, disease, and really any attack of the devil by sin. So that's why Jesus is saying, sin no more, lest a worse thing come. In other words, if we can walk in the truth of God's word, walk in obedience, we can keep doors closed to the attack of the devil just by obeying God. See, so sin is one of the doorways that the devil comes through to attack us. Verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews, so he went back to the Jews, that it was Jesus who had made him well. See, he didn't know before, but now he knows. Verse 16, for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. They want to kill him for healing somebody on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I have been working. He's very clearly saying, I'm not working on my own. The father is doing these works right along with me. So If that really was a violation of the Sabbath, it's not just me doing it. The fathers violated the Sabbath too. Of course, it was not a violation of the Sabbath. Okay, verse 18, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. Well, he didn't say anything wrong. He is equal to God in the sense that God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he is indeed God. And and because He is God, and Father is God, and the Holy Spirit's God, He is equal to God, those submitted to Father God. Okay, verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son, talking about Himself, the Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He, the Father, does, the Son also does in like manner. See how Jesus always would give reverence, honor submission to Father God. Verse 20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. In other words, Jesus is saying, the Father has delegated to me the authority to heal and to give life to whomever I will. Verse 22, for the father judges no one, but has committed, or we could say delegated, has committed all judgment to the son that all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Boy, I tell you what, Jesus is making it very clear that because God sent him, all these words that he's speaking, these are the father's words. There's no separation between father and Jesus. Whatever Jesus is doing the Father's doing. Whatever Jesus is saying, the Father's saying. And Jesus is making that crystal clear. And so he's saying, if you'll listen to me, then you shall not enter into judgment, but you will have passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, verse 25, or verse 23, uh, or no, that is 25. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming And now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Well, what is this talking about? Well, let me tell you what it's talking about. There are people all the way back from the times of Adam and all the way through who put their faith in God, who served God, who looked forward to the coming Savior, the Messiah. But until Jesus died on the cross, paid the price for sin, and was raised from the dead. They can't go to heaven yet. See, so where are they? Well, Luke 16 tells us that they were in a holding place across a great cavern in Hades, and they were in a place called Abraham's bosom. But once Jesus died on the cross, and certainly when he was raised from the dead, the Bible says he descended into the lower parts of the earth. He preached to the spirits in prison. And so Jesus was able to go down where they were. It's in the cavern. It's in the place in the earth. They're not there anymore, though the unbelieving dead spirits and souls are there. See, and so Jesus preached to them. And those who have already died heard the preaching of the Son of God, heard the voice of the Son of God. And he says, and those who hear will live. In other words, hey, boys, the one, yeah, of course, gals too the one, the Messiah that you were waiting for, I'm the one. And of course they're looking at him and they're saying, yes, you are the one. And the Bible says in, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter four, he led captivity captive. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So he took those people that were in Abraham's bosom in captivity in the heart of the earth, but who believed on the future coming of the Messiah. And he took them to heaven. Now we don't go down if we're a believer. Now the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we go straight to heaven now that Jesus has paid the price on the cross and been raised from the dead. Okay. Verse 26, he goes on to say, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. So he said, the father has given me authority. He's talking about himself in the third person, but he is indeed talking about himself. Okay. Verse 28, do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who were in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Eventually, everyone is going to be raised up. But those who did not believe in Jesus or put their faith in him, they're going to end up in front of the, white, uh, the great white throne judgment that the book of Revelation talks about And they'll be judged. And those who are not in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Okay, verse 30. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. In other words, as the Father speaks to me, then I know how to judge. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Don't you just love this? Here's Jesus, God in the flesh. But he is giving all honor to the Father. All honor to the Father. Verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Therefore, or excuse me, there is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. This is talking about John the Baptist. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. Talking about the light of the preaching of the truth through John the Baptist. You were willing for a time to rejoice in that light. Verse 36, but I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the father has sent me and the father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. In other words, if you really had the father's words living in you, abiding in you, when you heard me speak, you would know that's God, that's his voice, that's Father's voice, see? He said, but you don't have his words abiding in you. Otherwise, you would have received my word. But he said, "Uh, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom uh, whom he sent, him you do not believe. Verse 39, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. He said, you think you have eternal life through the scriptures, which we would call the Old Testament today. He said, but those scriptures are testifying of me. You should recognize me because those scriptures are talking about me. Verse 40, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you and you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor? Excuse me. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. Now, what does that mean? He's not talking about Moses, Personally accusing them. He's talking about the books which Moses wrote, the Old Testament law. He said, those, those scriptures that you know and have studied, he said, that's what's going to accuse you because if you look at them, they're talking about me. So he said, there is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, really talking about the Bible, the writings of Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Oh, another powerful, powerful chapter. And I tell you, the next one, Jesus is going to get into some teaching that really a lot of people are going to walk away from, but they shouldn't. We should run toward Jesus while he's talking about these things. But don't miss tomorrow, John chapter six. We'll see you then.